the stark reality sets in the day of the execution for those who are in death row. As you know, they're given final requests, final words that they have to say. Is there a final meal they would like to eat before the day, before their execution? Whatever that meal is, it will be prepared and served to them. And now you can imagine how shocking it might be if the request that that death row inmate made were to say, I would like to wash the clothes of all the cellmates on my row and wash the socks and polish the shoes of the guards before I'm executed. That would be unforgettable. Jesus has less than 24 hours to live. He's eating his last meal, and he does something that's unforgettable. Follow along with me. This is John chapter 13, verses 1 to 17. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that's why he said not every one was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Spirit of the living God, I pray that you will bless the reading of your word and that you will bless us as we put it into practice. And we ask this in the name of our Savior. Amen. To wear a mask or not to wear a mask. To get vaccinated or to not get vaccinated. To be here in person or on the live stream. It's easy to choose what you're doing and to categorize others not quite as good as you. 
Maybe you're a little more informed or a little more enlightened. Maybe you just reason and say, well, I have a little more faith. I'm just not as worried as you are about things. Or I've just read the science. I just know the science. Or um, I, j- I know the source and I won't be fooled. In each scenario, you're making a judgment call about how you will responsibly handle life and you should responsibly handle life. But it's so easy to think, well, I'm doing this because it's right. And if I'm right and they're not doing it, then maybe I'm a little bit better. We've probably all thought that at some point. And here's the thing, it's not very different from what the disciples were thinking this night with Jesus. Because they had been arguing over who is a little bit better. Jockeying for position and playing favorites. They're in the upper room with Jesus for his last meal before he is going to be arrested and then crucified the next day. And as they're there in this upper room in Jerusalem, they have walked from Bethany to Jerusalem a few miles in the dust and dirt in, in parts of the, the uh, well, the dusty ancient Near East, right, in Israel there. And one of the disciples, having come to that room, should have washed the other's feet. It was a common courtesy when you came into a house. When you come into a house today, you have a coat closet and a washroom. If people need to go wash, they can. Here, their feet are dirty. There would have been a wash basin, and somebody would have washed the feet. But they come to this upper room. There's nobody there. Somebody should have done it, but nobody does. Somebody should have specially have done it since they refer to Jesus as their teacher and their Lord. His feet should have been washed. That would have been the custom of the day. And here Jesus is with them at this final meal and he wants to explain to them the ultimate significance of what they're doing as they celebrate the Passover meal. That he is the true Passover lamb. The one that they need for the final full and complete forgiveness of sins. And they launch into an argument Luke tells us in chapter 22, over which one of them is going to be the greatest. Like, can you imagine that? Like, Jesus knows, like, the hour's come, time's over, and they're arguing about who's the greatest. This is like dad driving the minivan down the road and a tractor trailer jackknifes in front of him and it's flipping. You're like, oh no! And the kids are in the back. I'm better than you are! Shut up! Like, it's chaos in the moment. Now here it's not speeding down the highway, but what is coming in very soon is the cross, and the disciples are arguing over who's going to be the greatest. And because of that, in this moment, Jesus decides to teach them one of the most important lessons that they will learn, one of the last lessons he will do, give them before he dies. And so the first part of this lesson that Jesus teaches them that I want you to get today is this. The first part of the lesson is that you and I and the disciples desperately need to be washed. We desperately need to be washed. Jesus says in verse 8, if I don't wash you, you have no part with me. Right? Everybody needs the cleansing of Jesus, his washing to make us clean. We cannot do that on our own. Jesus is saying to his disciples, if you don't let me wash you, you're not part of me. But furthermore, it's not just simply about cleanness. 
He's also saying, if you don't let me serve you, you have fundamentally missed everything I have taught you about my life mission and why I've come. Remember, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus' whole point here is saying, this is what I have come to do. I must serve you. Because if I don't serve you, you won't be saved. If I leave you to your own desires, it won't happen. You need me to clean you, to serve you, to rescue you, to save you. And so if you go through life thinking, hey, I've been pretty good and I've tried really hard and I think I've done a pretty good job with life and and I've got it down sufficiently well and it'll be good enough for me to live forever with God in paradise, then your math is messed up. And so is your faith. Because what Jesus is saying is, if I haven't washed you, it doesn't matter how good you've been. Because it won't be good enough. He also says here, couple interesting phrases which I want to move through quickly. He says the whole body has been washed, right? Because Simon Peter says, well, wash all of me then. I'm all in, Jesus. Wash my whole body. And he's like, no, you're already clean. The whole body's clean, but your feet still need washing. And, and so scholars talk about that and why that is. And um, well, I mean, one reason is the very practical reason, like they're dirty, right? This is like Mike Rose's dirty job. Somebody's got to do it and the feet need washing because they're disgusting. And then you're sitting at a table where you're like, it's a low table and everybody's reclined. The feet aren't nicely tucked under the table. They're kind of out behind and hitting everybody and they're dirty and probably stinky. And like, you don't want that stink wafting around the aroma of your food because that spoils your meal. So like the feet got to get washed. Okay, there's the practical part of that. But the other part of that is that most people think what Jesus is talking about is a metaphor here of the spiritual journey of following him in his footsteps. And what he's saying is even though you're washed and you're clean, though he says not all of you referring to the one who would betray him, but to the other 11 he's saying, even though you're washed and you're clean, like you're good, I've covered you, you still need your feet washed. And most people think what he's saying is like, look, that's a reminder that you need grace every day. You need mercy new every morning. Every day you need it. You need Jesus every day. And that washing is a reminder of that to them. There's nobody that is not dependent on Jesus. You have not graduated from the Grace Academy and now you're on your own and you've figured it out. Every day you need his washing, his service to you. It might also be because the feet are how you follow in a path, right? And what are his disciples about to do that he's talked about? He said, they will strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. They're all going to run away. And Jesus is saying, I'm washing your feet now because these feet are the ones that are going to run away from me. But it's so that you'll remember, come back. Come back to me. John writes in the first verse, in verse 1. Maybe put verse 1 on the screen. Could you do that, James? Um, And right at the beginning as he's telling this story, it's right before the festival, right? And it says, Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Now that word end doesn't simply mean to the end like of his life or to a a point in time. End is a a loaded word in the New Testament. It, uh, it, It has the idea of purpose and completion to it. In other words, he's saying... He loved us fully, completely, all the way. And yes, to the end of his life. Now, it's interesting that John writes that. I mean, think about what we've just talked about, right? 
John is the one writing this, and he's saying, we're the disciples who were arguing over who's going to be the greatest. Me and my brother James wanted to call fire down from heaven to destroy a village one time. Um, You know, Peter is brash and does crazy things, and, you know, we've all been a little bit knuckleheaded at times. And Jesus, he loved us to the end, completely, fully, the whole way. He never gave up on any of us. And that's good news for you and me, that Jesus doesn't give up on you. He doesn't quit. He loves you to the end. And so that first lesson that we need to remember, right, is that we desperately need Jesus to wash us because he's the one who loves us to the end. But the second part of this whole thing right here that we need to see is that the lesson, the second part of the lesson, is that you should wash the feet of one another because really what's going on in this passage is not terribly hard to understand. It is extremely difficult to do. Right? Oh, good, he washes feet. We need Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Wash me, cleanse me, good. And now he says, but now that you've learned from the teacher by an argument from the greater to the lesser, since I, your teacher, have washed your feet and no student is greater than his teacher, now you're going to do the same. You will wash others' feet. And what Jesus is saying to you and I, to his church, to his followers, is saying, look, if you want to be, know what it's like to be uh, following Jesus and to demonstrate his love for people, you're going to wash their feet. You're going to do the things that nobody else wants to do. Because in doing them, you're going to display the love of Christ to people around you. I mean, if Jesus didn't do this, perhaps the disciples are allowed to go on arguing over who's the greatest. Jesus dies. They keep arguing over who the greatest is. And they don't really learn to serve anybody. And they end up just like another class of the Pharisees who believe they're superior. And kind of look down on others. Because, hey, we're the ones that followed Jesus. And Jesus is saying, no. You're going to be the ones that will serve others. You want to, you want to shape your children, parents? Let them see you serve. Let them see you wash the feet of others. Francis Schaeffer wrote this. He said, true Christianity produces beauty as well as truth. If we do not show beauty in the way we treat each other, then in the eyes of the world and in the eyes of our children, we are destroying the truth we proclaim. And part of that beauty, what I'm saying to you today, is that it's it's serving, is that it's washing others' feet. I twice led a mission trip to a part of the inner city of Philadelphia, uh, down along Kensington Avenue, under the L train, along Front Street. Um, And it's a part of Philly, at least it, it was 20 years ago, that was overrun with drugs and prostitution and homelessness. Really sad in many ways. And we arrived uh, for this mission trip and, uh, and got there and had our orientation briefing. And that night we were meeting, uh, us and another church were the teams that were there, and we were meeting in this sanctuary of this old church and, and beginning to get ready for what we were going to do for the week. And we started out that meeting with a foot washing service. I think it's the only two times have I ever been part of a literal foot washing. And so this worked, since I was one of the leaders, I was washing uh, the feet of all the guys coming through one door into the sanctuary. So they had to come in from the street, take off their shoes outside the sanctuary doors, sit down, put their feet in a basin, and I had a towel, and I would wash their feet off and dry them, 
and then they would stand up and go in without shoes into the sanctuary where the service happened. The last person from our crew was one of my fellow adult leaders, and he got to me, and he looks at me, and he goes, you're not washing my feet. And I said, then you're not going inside. I said, you need to sit down and let me do this. It's not for you, it's for me to learn to serve you. And he sat down, and I washed his feet, and he went inside. And in so many ways, that experience prepared us for the things that we were to do that week. Prepared us to wash others' feet, even though we didn't literally wash feet, but we cleaned toilets and dirty houses and disgusting things. We fed homeless people. We visited a nursing home. We led a VBS for kids. We prayed with people who were shooting heroin between their toes on the sidewalk. At one point I was meeting a, a, walking down the street with a group of people. We came across a couple of prostitutes who would prostitute themselves to support their drug habits. So don't think like Las Vegas. This is very different than that. And she needed help. And I said, well, these missionaries here, they would love to help you. And she said, well, let me give you my number so they can contact me. Do you have a pen and paper? I said, no. She said, give me your hand. She pulls out her eyeliner and writes her phone number on my hand. Another day, I was walking down the street, and I saw a man named Bill who literally had no face. His face had been melted like wax. Because one of the times that he was strung out on heroin laying on the street, some kids poured gas on him and lit him on fire. I got him ice cream, watched him try to eat ice cream, but with no nerve endings. It just melted and run down his face and dripped on him. We went to serve, to wash feet in so many ways. It was all very disorienting and very uncomfortable, but very vivid, clear memories of it. And we learned to do it, not begrudgingly, but with joy. We learned to do it with joy because Jesus had washed our feet. We did it with joy, learning to see the face of Jesus in people because Jesus said, whatever you've done for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you have done for me. And Jesus tells us, well, John writes it, but Jesus speaking in verse 17 that we read this morning, if you do this, washing others' feet, you will be blessed. You will be blessed. That, that is not at all the message of our culture. Hey, you want to be blessed? Just go find some people and wash their feet. And Jesus says, no, you, you really want to know what it's like to be blessed? Serve. Become lower, become lesser, and serve others. Wash their feet. Like I said, it's not hard to understand this. It's often hard to put it in practice, and it doesn't require you going to Philadelphia or to, or to Thailand, though certainly those are both great, or like Mali to Ireland. All of that's great, and all of that needs to be done, and is serving and saying, okay, we will go wherever it is you call us to go, Lord, to wash feet. One of the things I want to focus on for just the next few minutes today is how you can do that right here. Because one of the places God has called you is to be part of this body and to wash the feet of others here. The people sitting on your row need you. If you look at them, that person next to you needs you. They need your gifts and your talents and your skills. 
And so hopefully you got one of these when you came in today. If you did, I'd like you to take it and look at it. And if you didn't, maybe Brian, will you get a stack of these? And if anybody didn't get one, you can just raise your hand. They're in the usher's closet, I believe. And um, Lance has some right here as well. There may be others. So if you didn't get one, raise your hand and we'll get them to you. Uh, and they'll pass them out to you. And what I want to do is have you look at this briefly with me. These are volunteer opportunities for our church right here. And the reason um, that I want you to look at these today with me is because as we're coming back and we're trying to re-engage and you're like, this is good, I want to get back. And man, I want to be able to get my kids plugged into things. Well, this is a volunteer-run organization. And for it to come back means you've got to be like, okay, I'm in. And here's how I think I want to help. Here's where I'll go wash feet. And so this is an opportunity for you to look at it to see what opportunities there are. And so I'm going to talk about some of these briefly, and then I'm going to give you some time to look through it and explain some things. So if you look on the first page in there, kind of that first page is everything that kind of happens on Sunday morning in different ways you could serve. There's audio-visual teams. There are guys up in the booth. Great job today up there, guys. You're doing great. Um, The audio team... The, the board, they're mixing sound to try to make it sound beautiful and good for you, right? And for the people who are seeing it through the live stream. And then the video, the slides, so that they're advancing on time so you can follow along and sing. But also the camera for the live stream. Um, and uh, so if you want to do that, you need to like computers and, and be like, okay, I can figure out my way around a computer and you'll be trained to do it. Maybe it's um, being up here on stage with the worship team helping lead us all in worship, which they do a great job of. They're open to to any type of instrument. You play like the ukulele, fantastic. That would be awesome, right? Any kind of instrument, they will try to incorporate you and use you, and there's a way you can do that and come and kind of audition for a few times as they do rehearsal and and work your way into the team. Um, Hospitality, making coffee and setting up communion and then cleaning it up afterwards. You want to be behind the scenes and not up front? There's a great way to be behind the scenes and help out. Nursery. You can hold sweet little babies. And if you're like, I don't do babies, then you can stand there and run the check-in system on the computer and still help in the nursery. The security team that kind of monitors the hallways and makes sure things are safe and looks for things that might be out of order um, and need to be addressed. The ushers, some of the first faces you see coming in that help hand out these things like bulletins and take attendance and collect the offering and clean up after the service, or the welcome team that's first impressions when you come in to see a smiling face of somebody says, hey, welcome, we're really glad you're here today. Come on in. The Sunday morning uh, classes, uh, Spring Run Kids that Elizabeth is coordinating, right? Three years through fifth grade, teachers that teach weekly or biweekly, or you could be an assistant that helps out like monthly, not all the time. But if you love kids and you love helping them understand the Bible and see like, things come to light and it clicks for them and they're like, oh, I get it. This is awesome. Or youth. You can help Jake with middle school and high school. He needs a couple of high school teachers to be in a rotation with him as they start doing uh, Sunday school classes and then a couple of middle school girls teachers. Uh, Probably, you know, if somebody wants to join in with that class we affectionately call the knuckleheads, the middle school boys, those there's men that teach them as well and they'd probably take into their rotation. Then you can look on the back page and there's other areas to serve that are kind of outside Sunday morning and there's like events. Anytime we have like a food truck and a fellowship night, like, hey, you guys, you're thinking this is great. It takes a lot of hours and a lot of people to plan that and just come like an hour early to start setting things up or to stay 30 minutes afterwards to help clean things up and take trash out and put tables back and things like that. But we can't do that without you. 
you could help with landscaping. There's a work day Saturday from 8 a.m. to noon, and you could get donuts, or you could say, I don't need donuts, but I'm coming because I'm washing feet. You could bring your weed eater, your chainsaw, your whatever else. I don't know, ask Gary or Derek, um, and, and they'll tell you. But it's a lot of property out here that we have to maintain, and so you could help in that way. You could help with mercy ministry, helping people in their times of need. It might be a financial crisis, a job loss, an addiction issue, a poverty alleviation thing, job, job training, a divorce, all kinds of different things. Our deacons are involved in that as well. Um, maybe when somebody has a funeral, we need a team who helps sets up to prepare the family to come in and have a place to be before the service and make sure that flowers are arranged and things like that. You could be a small group leader. That means you could, you could take a handful of people and start a Bible study together. Or you could facilitate a community group. You could, you could help Elizabeth with spring run uh, kids on Fridays, the fun Friday summer camps this, this summer that are running on Friday mornings. And there's different things that you, that you could do. You could help Jake with youth group. Even if you don't want to be there every week, there's different ways you can help with just events. You can be a driver going to an event, a chaperone going on something, um, helping to pick up food, to set up games, different things like that. This isn't even all the ways. This is just some of the ways. But what I want you to do is take a minute or two here, and I'll just be quiet, and I want you to ask yourself these questions. When I look at this, what do I think is really important? What do I care about? Ask yourself that question. What are you passionate about? What do you care about? And then a second question is, what gifts or talents or skills do I have that I think I could help in this area? And then each one of those areas has a leader's name and their email address right there. I want you, I'm giving you permission, take out your phones, and if you're interested, email the person right now. And if you don't have a phone and you're like, I don't do email, then use this. Take a pen and just check the box, and you can write your name on it and drop this in the offering basket on your way out the service today. Brian's got pens if you need a pen. So take a few minutes. I'm going to give you like a minute and a half here. Just look through. Think about what you might want to do. You might already be volunteering in a couple of ways, and, and that's great. We're not asking you to volunteer in three more ways. But if you haven't yet been able to volunteer, if you haven't yet been able to re-engage, then take a moment to consider doing so. I'll tell you one new thing I'm doing. When I have the opportunity and I'm not preaching, I'm going to serve in the nursery. So on June 20th, Kaz is preaching, I'm in the nursery. Jesus said, if you do this, you will be blessed by it. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you will help us to put into practice what your word instructs us to do. We thank you for the many in our congregation who have volunteered through the years and have continued volunteering through COVID. And, and Lord, as we try to get things back to opening through this summer and into the fall, Lord, we pray that you'll provide the people the faces, the hands, and the feet that we need in order to do the ministries that you've called us to do. And Lord, I pray that as each person here considers how they might be involved, that you will pour out your blessings on them and that they will be filled with joy in ways that they can serve. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, we do collect an offer.